invite you to take your Bibles and turn back to that Matthew chapter 1 passage, if you would please. The epitaph on her grave did not give the dates of her birth or her death. It only gave her name and the names of her two husbands and the following lines. Sleeps, but rests not. Loved, but was loved not. Tried to please, but pleased not. Died as she lived, alone. She is certainly not unique, is she? Especially in the world in which we live today. If you doubt that, listen to the lyrics of music in America over the last number of years. Hear the voices of loneliness that cry out in the lyrics. Carol King said, Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you got to do is call, and I'll be there. Paul McCartney, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they belong? Elvis Presley, just take a little walk down Lonely Street, the Heartbreak Hotel. Bonnie Raitt, what can I do to get back to you? I am feeling desperate and lonely. Sting, seems I'm not alone at being alone. Hundred million castaways searching for a home. And that's only a few. You could read lyrics after lyrics of song after song, and the cries are all the same, loneliness. On October 4th, 1970, Janis Joplin, who was the famed rock star of her day, at the age of 27, was found dead in her Los Angeles hotel room. They had found packets of heroin there. They found needle marks on her arm. And just before she died, she admitted to a friend, and I quote, when I'm not on the theater stage, I just sit around all day and watch TV and I feel very, very lonely. At the height of his fame and her fame and popularity, Marilyn Monroe died of an overdose of sleeping pills all alone in a hotel room. Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, just before he died, wrote on a piece of paper these words, I feel so alone sometimes. I would love to be able to sleep. I'll probably not rest. I have no need for all of this life. Help me, Lord. And maybe you memorized this at least ages ago, people might have been in school. Alone, alone, all alone. Alone on a wide, wide sea. And never a saint took pity on my soul in agony. It's the rhyme of the ancient mariner by Samuel Taylor Coolidge. Have you ever felt any of those things? Have you ever said any of those things? See, loneliness is not a new problem, is it? It's not recent, it's ages old. For Christmas, and perhaps you know this already, many people, many people, and perhaps some who are here today, it's the loneliest time of the year. All kinds of people across America virtually live with loneliness. All kinds of people in all kinds of places, from a very crowded nightclub to a neighborhood restaurant, from fitness gyms and places to crowded malls, from those who work on a second shift kind of job in a warehouse to those who work behind a computer all day, from those who live in a rundown house to those who live in a mansion in a gated community. See, it is no respecter of persons. As one author I read this week said, too many of us are fluent in the language of loneliness. 
What do you do? What do you do when that happens? How do you respond? Well, some people respond by buying pets. <laughs> some people respond by buying something more, a house or a car. Some people buy lovers. Some people take alcohol and drugs, and unfortunately, some people take their lives. There are some people who seek therapists, but there are very few people who seek God in their loneliness. Christian counselor Ed Welch says, alone, that word gets to the very heart of the human predicament. Not alone, those two words get to the very heart of the gospel. You see, Christmas, according to Matthew, is God's cure for loneliness, eternal loneliness. That's what Matthew 1.23 records when it gives us the word of the 700-year-old prophecy from Isaiah, which we read this morning. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, the only time it's used. In the New Testament, it's a prophecy of Isaiah. It's only quoted twice in chapter 7 and chapter 8. And Matthew wants us not to miss it because he says, let me tell you what it means. God with us. See, we were designed by God to be with God, to be living in his presence, to have a perfect, sinless relationship with him. But that was ruined by the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And because of their sin and their disobedience to God's word, you see, they were exiled from God's presence. They could no longer be with him in the same way that they were before. Instead, they would spend the rest of their lives alone in their sin. And their relationship with God had been severed. You see, that's why there are two genealogies about Jesus and his birth in the Gospels. One is in Matthew, which is right before our text. And it talks about how Jesus and his lineage is connected all the way back to Abraham. But Luke's does a little bit of a different perspective. His doesn't go back just to Abraham. It goes all the way back to Adam. And here's why. Because Jesus wants all of us to know, the Bible wants us to know, that see, whether you're a Jew, back to Abraham, or a Gentile, back to Adam, see, we have all been exiled from God because of our sin. All of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much money you make. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin. See, we have all been, because of our sin, exiled from God. And so we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Listen, who mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. You see, that's us. Those two words describe us in our relationship with God. Lonely exile. It's our spiritual condition because we've been separated from God by our sin. See, our primary relationship was to be God and we are to be with him. But sin has changed all of that. And the cry of our souls come from the core need of our hearts for intimacy. See, we have built in needs to belong to God and others. It's part of what it means to be made in his image. We were wired for connection to God and then out of that relationship with others. But sin has ruined that. And that is why, as Susan Metz would say, there is a loneliness epidemic. Susan Metz is a social behaviorist with a master's degree from Duke University, and she also happens to be a Christian. 
And she has a book called The Loneliness Epidemic. And in it, she states that one out of three people in America, which is roughly 36%, say that sometime in their lives or all the time, they feel lonely. Loneliness has more than doubled in the last 25 years. And even before COVID-19 and the pandemic, which isolated us, so many of us, the Surgeon General declared that loneliness was a national epidemic. Of course, as Susan Metz goes on to say, and you're probably well aware of these and perhaps experienced some of your own, there are contributing factors to that. Rejection by others, discrimination, isolation, loss of loved ones, and on and on the list goes. The Huffington Post says that our day is the age of loneliness. And what shocks the article, what shocks you when you read it is, is that this is a height of all time of communication, contact, and connection with people through social media. I mean, people can be online, have Facebook conversations on their phone, texting, talking, seeing one another when you call. But as she says, there has been a breakdown in our belonging. But see, you may be here this morning and no one really would know that you're lonely. No one would really know because you're in a crowd of people. Because being alone and being lonely aren't the same thing. You can be with family, you can be in a crowd, and maybe you were at Christmas, but you can be lonely. But see, Christmas means that Jesus came because we were in lowly exile, but he came to exile loneliness. Because lonely exile, hear me, is first vertical and then it's horizontal. See, it's first a problem on the inside before it becomes a problem on the outside. It is first a spiritual issue before it becomes a social issue. And that's why Jesus came. So that's, here's why, so that we could be with him again. And so all throughout the Bible, from the time after the Garden of Eden when they were exiled from God's presence, God has been purposing and planning on how to get us back how to come back into his presence. And so the tabernacle was made. And that was the place where God's people could come and to be in his presence. But it had limitations. See, there were curtains that you couldn't go into. There were barriers that you couldn't pass. There was only so far that you could go to get close to God. Eventually, in the day of Solomon, the temple was built. And it was grand and glorious. And it was one of the wonders of the world. And again, God's people could go and to be near God but they could only go so far. If you were a man, you could go so far. If you were a woman, you could go so far. If you were a priest, you could go so far. If you were the high priest, you could go into the Holy of Holies one time and one time only in a year because the tabernacle and the temple, see, they were temporary fixes because they included curtains and they included barriers and they included limitations. And that's why the song says, we are in lonely exile until the Son of God appears because Jesus did what the tabernacle tabernacle and the temple and the sacrificial system could never do and that is to bring us back into his presence permanently and so Jesus the Bible says is the fulfillment of the Isaiah prophecy he is the Emmanuel he is the son of the virgin he is the one whose name means God with us I find it interesting it it doesn't mean God above us, although he is. It doesn't mean that it's God around us, although that's true. It's not God for us, although thank you, Lord, that that is true. 
It's not even God before us or behind us. All those are realities that we love and cherish. But it's God with us. That's the incarnation. God with us. And in do, to do so, he had to become one of us. And because his name is Emmanuel, because he has fulfilled the Isianic prophecy, see, it means that we can be connected with him again. It means that we can have access into his glory presence again. It means that we can be with him and he can be with us. Who would have ever thought that the cure for loneliness could be discovered in a manger? But that's why God became a man. He came, became a man so that he could understand so that he could, Hebrews, he could sympathize with our weaknesses. He could know firsthand what loneliness is all about, and he came to exile it. You see, Jesus was fluent in the language of loneliness. Did you ever consider that he's the only sinless person who ever lived in all of the world? Imagine living his life, he was sinless, and everyone that he met, everyone that he loved, everyone that he was ever close to was sinful. He had sinful parents, he had sinful brothers and sisters, he had an extended family that was sinful, his neighbors were sinful, his friends were sinful, certainly his disciples were sinful. So you know what he might, could have said? No one really could ever understand me. He might have said, no one could say, I know what you're going through, because no one really could. He could have said that no one really understands me, but he didn't. Have you ever felt that way? You know, one of the major causes of loneliness is the belief that no one cares, no one understands. And maybe this morning you've been saying that to yourself. No one really understands what I'm going through. No one feels what I feel. No one thinks what's going on in my life. See, here's what Christmas means, amongst many things. There is someone who does know. There is someone who does care about the pain that you're enduring. See, you're not, and nor do you ever have to be alone. Why? Because Jesus came. Because he is Emmanuel. But the question is, how does Jesus, as God born in a manger, solve the problem of loneliness? How does the incarnation allow God to be with us again because we're sinners. He just doesn't know. Listen, it's great that he knows what's going on and that he cares, that he understands our loneliness. That is wonderful. But see, it isn't enough. And that's why the passage is very explicit that Jesus has more than one name. See, in the text, the word name is used in verse 21, verse 23, and verse 25. See, his prophetic name is Emmanuel, that he would be with us. But the God-given name from heaven, the, the angel said we should call him, is that he should be called Jesus. And Jesus is the Hebrew word Yeshua, and it means God saves. Can I tell you this morning, the cure for loneliness puts both of those together. Jesus saves us so that we can be with him. Do you understand that? He saves us. If we are to be with him, we have to be saved by him. See, Matthew brackets, Matthew's gospel is bracketed by this phrase, God with us. Chapter 1, verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. The very last words out of Jesus' mouth in Matthew 28 and verse 20, before he ascends into heaven, is this. Lo, I am what? I am with you always. 
See, I'm with you at my birth. I'm with you at my life and my death, my ascension. See, I'm always going to be with you. And everything in between Matthew 1 and 28 tells us how is that possible? How can God be with us? And Matthew says the answer is through Jesus' saving work. See, he saves us so that we can be with him. The little phrase, if you look in the text, in verse 21, it says, she will bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus for you'll save his people from their sins. And then our verse, verse 23, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, see the little phrase, which means? It doesn't seem like much, but it is a lot. You know why? It means, which means, or translated, that is. It's an interpretive clause. In other words, it's going to tell you something that you might not know otherwise. It's only used three times in Matthew's gospel. One in the Christmas story, two in the Easter story. Can I point them out to you? Chapter 27, if you'll turn there, in verses 33 and 46. The first one is used to tell us about an important place. Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He became the incarnate son of God. The word became flesh. But the second one tells us the other end of the story, which we have to have in order to understand how the loneliness that we feel can be cured. And that second place is Jerusalem, or more importantly, Golgotha. In Matthew 27, in verse 33, it reads, And when they came to the place called Golgotha, look, which means, there's our phrase, place of a skull. I've been to Israel. I had the privilege of going there with my wife to Jerusalem. I've stood at the side of the mountain that has a skull imprinted into it. It really does actually look like a skull. It's the place of death. It was the place where people were crucified. It was outside the city. It was the place where people were punished as criminals. For Jesus, it was that and more. It was the place of the loneliness moment in all of history. See, it was more lonely even than what Jesus was by himself facing in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the crucifixion. And you read the text, in Matthew 27 and verses 32 and following, you'll find this, that Jesus died alone. His disciples had forsaken him. The crowd had turned against him. The religious leaders were mocking him. Even the criminals hanging by his sides were doubting him on every step. But the third use of the word or the phrase which means is verse 46. And it's the loneliest moment in all of history. And in Matthew 27, in verse 46, it reads this. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, or which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, that's a quotation out of the Psalms. And what Jesus is doing is he's putting those two little phrases together at the beginning and the ending of the story. See, he came to understand your loneliness. He came to understand how you are feeling today and, and the loneliness that you feel. But he came to deal with it, see. He came to do more than just feel it and understand it. He came to deal with it. And so here what we, here's what we would say this morning. Jesus was forsaken so that you would never have to be. See, Jesus suffered God not with him 
so that you could have God with us. Jesus died alone for sinners like you and me. You know why? So that we wouldn't have to be alone forever. Jesus took the punishment for the sin of Adam and Eve and every single one of us that has caused the deepest level of loneliness possible, and that is separation between us and God. Jesus paid for that. See, it's not just the incarnation of Jesus that solves the problem of loneliness. It's his incarnation and his crucifixion. It is his life and his death, and even more so, his resurrection and ascension. You see, the Bible story begins with loneliness. Adam and Eve and all of us in them exiled from his presence. But see, we forfeited God with us. But Emmanuel has come, and we rejoice. Because here's what the Bible says how the story can end. In Revelation 21 3, here's what the scripture reads. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You see, that's how the story began. We were with him, and the story can end that we can be with him again. But right now we're not. See, that's how the Bible story goes. Let me ask you, how does your story go? And maybe you're here this morning and you think your greatest loneliness is between you and others. And as bad as that might be, can I tell you this morning there's a greater loneliness, but Jesus has dealt with it. Emmanuel has come and he has given us reason to rejoice, reason to rejoice because he has settled and solved the greatest, he has exiled loneliness because of his sacrifice for our sins. See, this morning, you don't have to be lonely. You don't ever have to be alone. Jesus invites you to have God with you, and you can. You can this morning if you'd repent of your sins. If you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and my only hope, my only hope is eternal life in you. Can I tell you, that is the cure for loneliness putting your faith and trust in Jesus that he died for you and rose again that you might have eternal life. Listen, if you've never called on him, you can do that this morning. If you've ever, never realized that you could be with God and God could be with you eternally, you could have your sins forgiven. See, you can call on him to be your savior and Emmanuel can come into your life this morning. You can trust him. I pray that you would do that. Let's bow in prayer together. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, there might be very, very many lonely people here at Faith Baptist Church this morning, but perhaps lonely in a way that you were not really thinking about. Maybe the deep ache in your heart and life this morning isn't just because family isn't near or you feel isolated, but because you don't know your Creator. You don't know the Redeemer. You don't know the Savior. You've never put your faith and trust in Christ alone in his cross, death, and resurrection. See, that's the greatest loneliness that you'll ever face. But Emmanuel has come, and he has made a way through his cross, death, and resurrection for you to be forgiven if you'll repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him. And you can be with him, and he can be with you forever. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, would there be anyone this morning who would say, Pastor Walker, I feel that loneliness. I know that loneliness. And I know it on the deepest level. And I'm not sure, honestly, where I stand in my relationship with God. I know what's supposed to be, but I know it's not. Would you pray for me this morning that I might find life, eternal life, and forgiveness of sins in his name, King Jesus. Would you pray? Just put your hand up, would you? And I'll pray for you before I close this morning. Just put it up real quickly and put it right down, back down and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Father, thank you for sending your son. We rejoice this morning that Emmanuel has come that we were in lonely exile and now you have exiled loneliness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your cross, death, and resurrection. Thank you for victory over sin and hell and death and the loneliness that goes with it. I pray for the ones who raised their hand this morning indicating that they might not have that assurance. They might not have that confidence. They might not have that relationship with you by faith. I pray that your spirit would so work in their lives that they know that God is with them before they leave this place today. For those who are here this morning, even as God's people, who are experiencing loneliness, oh, Father, may this be a different year. May this be a different day because they know you and that you have said you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, you are forsaken in Jesus. You you were forsaken so we never would have to be. May that confidence bring us great joy that we might love you and love others in the way that you'd asked us and designed us to do. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name, Emmanuel. Amen.